1962, two Americans, Charles and David, were holidaying in Peru. They were going on long climbs in the snow-capped mountains. They were taking great photos and they decided to go and have a look at a glacier known as Glacier 511. But what they discovered was terrifying. Glacier 511 was huge and extremely unstable. And should it slide, the township of Yungay, home to more than 20,000 people, was directly in its path. So David and Charles abandoned their plans, returned to civilization to warn the authorities. Sadly, the powers that be weren't interested. More than that, they put Charles and David in jail for causing panic. And they were only going to release them if they retracted their claims. For two more weeks, Charles and David tried to get someone to listen to them, but no one would. And so they retracted their claims, they were released, and they went home. And the authorities then stopped any of the locals from speaking about any supposed impending disaster. Just eight years later, Glacier 511 fell in an avalanche. Over 50 million cubic metres of debris buried the town of Yungay. More than 20,000 people were killed. 92 people survived. And it all could have been avoided if only Charles and David's warnings were listened to. It's that kind of thing we have in our verses in Hebrews this morning. The writer issues us with several strong warnings. A disaster looms ahead of us that makes Glacier 511 look like child's play. The judgment of God is coming. And as a result, people will either receive the glory of the world to come, eternal life in the new creation, or people will receive the fury of God Almighty, his wrath poured out. There are only two options. Now, in Christ, we've been given a sure and safe path to the world to come. Uh, We saw that last week, didn't we? Christ's death for our sins, that's all we need to be welcomed into God's eternal life. And so what we're doing now is making every effort to see that we all hold firmly to our confidence in Christ, that we're keeping our faith in him to make sure that none of us miss out on God's eternal rest. The way the writer gives us his warning is by looking at a lesson from Israel's past. The Israelites under Moses made the colossal, dumb mistake of refusing to trust God to get them into his rest, which meant they never did enter God's rest. And the writer's simple warning is this. Don't make the same mistake. So let's have a look. The Israelites of Moses' generation, hopefully you remember this, they were slaves in Egypt, but God promised those Israelites rest in the promised land. And so God sent them Moses to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land of Canaan. And so then we have the ten awful plagues. You have the parting of the Red Sea. You have uh, God descending upon Mount Sinai and giving them the law. And this generation of Israelites saw it all. And then it came time for them to go into the promised land. God gave them the green light to go in, that he would deliver them from the Canaanites. The land was theirs for the taking. But even after all they'd seen, the Israelites didn't believe that God would or could get them in. And so they rebelled against him. 
They refused to enter, and so God promised that they never would enter his rest. Pick it up in chapter 3, verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This quote is taken from Psalm 95. King David wrote it about a thousand years before Jesus, but the writer points out that the Holy Spirit is still speaking through the Old Testament. So if you want to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, it's really easy. You just got to open your Bibles. And he's speaking loud and clear. And here he's warning us today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as the Israelites did back in the rebellion. Don't make the same mistake as the generation under Moses. They hardened their hearts against God. They rebelled against him. They didn't believe, didn't trust, didn't obey. And so God swore on oath that they shall never enter his rest. And with God's rest still in front of us, with the world to come dawning upon us, with eternal life just around the corner, whatever you do, don't make the same mistake. Verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Don't you make the same mistake as the Israelites under Moses. But not just you. Make sure none of us make that same dumb mistake as well. We're to see to it that none of us has a sinful heart that turns away from God. We're to do something about this. This is serious. It's not like a case of, you know, little Johnny's having his 23rd biscuit for morning tea and you think it's probably not good for him, but he'll be all right until you do nothing about it. No, it's a case of little Johnny's unaware that he's walking right towards the edge of a cliff and so you immediately run to save him. We're to do something about this. We're to see to it that none of us has a heart that turns away from God. And what we're to do is to encourage one another. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What a terrifying thought. To be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Being lured, tricked and conned by the seduction of sin. Turning us away from God, hardening our hearts. Like clay. That sets over time. In the holidays, our family went out to the Connors place uh, to make some clay bricks. And so we got our clay mixture and we added the water and the straw and we mixed them together. But after you've added the water, you've only got a limited amount of time to make your brick because once the water dries, the clay hardens. You know, while it's wet, you can fashion it and shape it and mould it. But once it's dry, it's set. It's hardened. Our hearts are like that clay. Thing is, we don't want our hearts to set, to harden. We want our hearts to always be soft toward God. And like the clay would need constant watering to be kept soft, in verse 13, our hearts need constant encouragement to be kept soft. 
encourage one another daily, he says, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin will turn us away from God. Christ is the only way we can enter God's rest. And so we're to encourage one another to see that we all hold firmly to our confidence in Christ right until the end. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. See, it's all about remaining as followers of Christ, not drifting or turning away from the living God, but holding firmly right to the end our confidence in God. And so, friends, please... Make sure that you are speaking into our lives with words of encouragement. And not just saying nice things like, you know, I really like the dress you're wearing today. Uh, No, we're to be encouraging each other in Christ to see that sin doesn't harden our hearts. Would you know if someone in your growth group was in danger of hardening their heart toward God? Have you got access into people's lives here at church to be able to warn them? Just as importantly, have you given others access into your life so that they could warn you if you were in danger? Brothers and sisters, we need to be real with each other because we need each other. We need one another's daily encouragement. We'll think about more about how to do this at the end, about how we can do it. But for now, from verse 15, the writer wants to warn us again with the tragedy of Moses' generation and how they failed to enter God's rest. He really wants us to feel the weight of how important it is that we encourage each other to see that we enter God's rest. Verse 15. As it's just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. See, the Israelites under Moses, it's not just that they didn't get to go into God's rest in the promised land. It's that they died in the desert. They sinned. They disobeyed. God was angry with them and he swore that they would never enter his rest. And so they wandered around the desert until their bodies fell, dead, cut off from the goodness of God because of their unbelief. They refused to trust God. And we're to make sure that none of us make the same mistake. Because God's promise of entering his rest, it still stands. The world to come, it's just around the corner. God's rest is still to come. And so we're to make sure that none of us make the same mistake as those Israelites. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. It is clearly not enough 
to simply hear the gospel. The Israelites of Moses' day, they heard God's great message of salvation and rest, but they didn't trust God to keep his word. They didn't combine the message with faith, and so they didn't enter his rest. They died in the desert. Well, we have all heard God's ultimate revelation of his gospel. God the Son himself to become one of us, to take our place, to die our death, to remove our sins, to bring us to God with the promise of eternal rest in the world to come. The only other option of entering God's rest, the only other option available is to die forever under the wrath of God. That's God's message to us in Christ Jesus. We've heard it. For some of us, we've heard it hundreds, if not thousands of times. But hearing it isn't enough. We're to believe him. Trust him. And we're to make sure that we all do. Look at verse 1 again, chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. In our day, we have got so many ways that we can talk to one another. We can email, phone, text, Facebook. I hear you can actually even still go and physically visit someone and see them. (laughs) We should be making the most of all of this in encouraging one another, in being careful as a church family to see that none of us fall short of God's promise of rest in Christ Jesus our Lord. And before urging us one more time to make sure we all keep believing in Christ, before pressing us once more to make sure we enter God's rest, the writer wants to clarify that God's promise of rest does in fact still stand. Because remember, he's talking to Jewish Christians. And these Jewish Christians have Jewish neighbours. And these neighbours would say, God's already given them rest. God's rest has already come. Because sure, the Israelites under Moses, they didn't go into the promised land, but the next generation did. They went into the promised land under Joshua. So the Israelites did go into the promised land. And so God has already given his people rest. And so how can God's promise of rest still stand? This Jesus fellow, he doesn't have anything to offer when it comes to God's rest. And so the writer needs to speak Sorry, to spell out how God's rest in the Old Testament was only ever a teaser for what was yet to come in Christ. And he does this by showing that even within the Old Testament, there are at least two rests, as well as a promise of a future rest. And so it's not weird that there would be a final rest to come. Look at it there from verse 3. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. A little bit confusing, I know, but in these verses we've got three rests. There's the rest we have in Jesus, there's the rest of the promised land, and there's God's rest at creation. So how do they all fit together? Well, God's rest at creation and his rest for the Israelites in the promised land were only ever a warm-up act for the real rest that was to come. 
It's a little bit like a support act at a concert. You know, it's like listening to some pub band bang out their tunes before Coldplay comes out or Andre Rue, depending on your age as to who you think is big. You know, the pub band, they're just the preliminary show before the big artist comes on stage. Well, that's God's rest in the Old Testament. They're just warm-up acts for the true, ultimate, final rest of the new creation. Because if those Old Testament rests had been the real deal, then God wouldn't have needed to speak of his final rest that's yet to come. So verse 7. Verse 7, Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. See, God's rests in the Old Testament were always looking forward to the rest to come. The rest that God promised way back in Psalm 95, which is the rest that the Lord Jesus came to bring in. It's the world to come, the new creation. And we can only enter God's rest through Jesus because of his work for us on the cross. And when we enter God's rest of eternal life in the world to come, our work of seeing more and more people hear and believe in the Lord Jesus, our work of holding fast to our own faith in Christ, our work of making sure that none of the rest of us fall short of this rest of God, all this work will be over for the Lord Jesus will have brought in his new creation and we will share with him forever in perfection in the world to come. And so in Christ Jesus, the promise of entering God's rest, it still stands and therefore we're to make every effort to enter that rest and we're to make sure that none of us miss out. The writer closes this section urging us again strongly one more time to do whatever it takes to see that we all get there. Verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, this is not pie in the sky. Okay, this is not kiddie stuff. This is not, oh, this is nice, I hope we all get to heaven. This is real. This is serious. We are to be making every effort to enter God's rest so that none of us will fall. And why? Because, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We are hearing the word of God, his sharp, living and active word, the word that judges our thoughts and actions, the word that lays us bare before the living God. We will one day give account of ourselves to him according to his word. And on this day, here and now, God says to us today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. 
He says, see to it that none of you has an unbelieving heart that turns away from me. He says, the promise of entering my rest still stands. So be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. Make every effort to enter my rest so that no one will fall by following the example of the Israelites. Do you understand what we're reading here? What we are hearing? Brothers and sisters, are you doing anything about this? Do you have a pulse? Are you alive? Are you hearing this? We're family. With God the Son as our brother. And he's taking us to his rest. And we're to make sure that none of us miss out. So if you're here this morning and you're not even sure if you're part of Christ's family... Come and see me over morning tea. If you do know the Lord Jesus, along with many of the rest of us here, then we are all to join together in making every effort to see that we all enter God's rest, encouraging one another daily, as he says in verse 13. Daily. So here's my suggestion. Let's all, each of us, each day, pick just one person from our church family. Pick one each day to intentionally encourage them to keep going on in Christ. Just one of us each day. We can text one another. We can phone one another. We can email each other. We can Facebook one another. We can see each other. And as you do, you can just ask a simple question like, how are you going with God at the moment? Or you could let someone know that you've been praying for them. Or you could share with one another what you read in the Bible earlier that day. You could ask them, is there anything they need help with in their following of Christ? Now, will this lead to more phone calls? More visits? More work? Probably. But that's what we're expecting. Because we're making every effort to see that none of us fall by turning away from the living God. It's not a one-off activity. You know, tick the box, done that, don't have to worry about it anymore. No, this is an ongoing, sustained effort. Every effort. Making sure we all keep following Jesus, so just one precious brother or sister every day. Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let's be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall. No one. Leave none behind let's pray heavenly father please give us soft hearts to take this warning from your word and to live it out and not to dismiss it not to hope that someone else takes heed of it but father that we all would make every effort to see that we all stand firm in christ Thank you that the promise of entering your rest still stands. 
Thank you that the Lord Jesus has died so that we can go. So, Father, please keep us from turning our back, from refusing you, from disobeying, from not trusting, from drifting. Please, Father, we want to be those who hold our confidence till the end. And we pray that you would use us all to encourage one another so that none would fall. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.